there is no logic to saying that Boston, this great innovation city that's on a growth spurt, shouldn't have 24-7 transit service. I mean, it, it just, there's no logic to that. Welcome to the podcast from Commonwealth Magazine, a weekly conversation about Massachusetts politics and policy. Named after the sacred cod hanging in the House of Representatives, this week's podcast welcomes three transportation advocates who are trying to launch all-night service on the T. My name is Bruce Mole, the editor of Commonwealth Ma Magazine. With me today are Ari Offsevit, a transportation planner and blogger, Jeremy Mendelson, the co-founder of Transit Matters, and James Aloisi, a former state secretary of transportation. Let's start with you, Ari. Tell us how you came up with this plan. Um, so yeah, I have a blog. It's called amateurplanner.blogspot.com. Uh, I'm going to own that name forever. And um, I was looking. There, there are a number of routes that run before 5 a.m., before the trains start running on the T. And people sort of don't assume that they exist because the trains aren't running. So why would the buses be running? Um, originally designed in, literally in 1960 to take fare collectors downtown to work at the, the, the opening of, of the T. Um, and they've been run for the last 60, 55, 60 years for sort of that purpose, although it's morphed into a way for early morning workers to get to work. And, um, but they're not really well advertised. So I wrote a blog post that said, hey, look, here are these routes. I couldn't find anything on the T's website, so I said, look, here are these routes. Here's when they run. Um, here's a, a map of them. Maybe it'll help some people out. Uh, that got picked up by a number of sources. It was by far the most quickly, most read and most quickly read podcast that I've ever had. It was had 5,000 views within a week. Um, and I sort of used that as a, as a basis. I said, oh, there's obviously interest here. And used that as a basis to say, I've always been interested in all-night service. Uh, Boston is of the top 15 largest transit systems, the only other two that don't have some sort of all-night overnight service. Um, mostly, even rail systems, mostly with buses. It's only Philadelphia for a couple of days, and New York and Chicago have all-night rail service, and actually one line in Minneapolis. Um, in any case, the only ones are Houston and Atlanta, so that's sort of not great company for us to be in. So I, I wrote a post that said, instead of going, you know, we, we, we had just lost the, the, the Friday and Saturday night service. <coughs> Excuse me. Instead of going and saying, um, let's try to replicate rail lines with buses, which we tried 10 years ago and didn't work because our rail lines don't follow the streets, so it's hard to have buses follow the rail lines. I said, let's take these routes that already exist. We already have the bus signs up. We already have the numbers in the system. We already have the buses. Um, could you do it? <coughs> could you do an overnight service that would allow, <coughs> excuse me, that would allow the buses to, um, <coughs> to run about every hour that would provide a transfer. They do this in San Francisco, they do this in Cleveland and Philadelphia and a bunch of cities um, to provide sort of a skeleton service, but the one that would be easy for people to use, easy for them to learn, and would provide access to jobs. You know, a lot of shifts at the airport start at four in the morning, but you can't get there by transit until six. Um, so for people who are starting work early, ending work late, have those odd hours, um, to be able to have a, a, a transportation system that's not just taxi cabs and Uber and Lyft, which for someone making 10 or $12 an hour is not a great solution if it's a $25 dollar fare. So the idea, 
the idea that I, that I posited was you could do this for a lot less money than the T was spending on the overnight rail service, and you could have 24-7-365 service, which the T hasn't run since 1960. That would cover most of the densely populated areas. So you're talking about Boston, um, the city of Boston, parts of Brookline, uh, Cambridge, Somerville, Everett, Chelsea, um, the areas that have a lot of people who don't have cars, who need that access overnight, um, and might maybe maybe need that. So um, that was the idea, and I sort of put it out uh, publicly, and I also to these guys, and uh, maybe they can jump in and, and talk about what the process has been from there. Yeah, uh, Jeremy, the the there are eight routes, right, that you're sort of envisioning coming from all, all of the metropolitan area. Where would they these routes go to? So the the idea is to build on some existing services that already operate in uh, places like Dorchester, Roxbury, uh, Chelsea, Revere. Um, but there are some gaps, um, so you'd have you'd have a route going north on uh, the Red Line up into Cambridge. Um, you'd have a route going to Somerville. Um, you'd have Malden, Medford, uh, Revere, Chelsea, East Boston. Um, then you have a couple of south routes. You have uh, Dorchester, Roxbury, Mattapan. Um, you'd cover Jamaica Plain. Um, you have a 39. You'd have uh, something on west uh, out to Brighton and Watertown on the 57. But they'd all come, come to the central point, right? They'd right? all they'd all um, they'd all come in and meet at at a central point. We're thinking Copley Square tentatively, um, where they'd all meet and there'd be timed guaranteed connections at the bottom of the hour, um, and then they so that if if a bus was coming in a few minutes late and somebody needed to make a transfer, there would be that connection and they could call and they could say, okay, can, you know, can you hold this bus for, I have two passengers, and that sort of thing. Um, and then the buses would leave uh, all at the same, they would arrive at the same time, leave at the same time, and then get, they'd get to destinations a little bit before the, before the top of the hour so that people could start their shifts at the top of the hour. That's the concept that, that we have um, at this point. So Jim, um, this is a, a proposal by a group of Outsiders, people that are interested interested in transportation, but they're not part of the state government. They're not part of the T. You've met with the state about this, the T. What's what, what's your sense? What's been their reaction to this proposal? Uh, I've been very pleased at a very positive reaction to this plan. I think it's a good plan, and so I'm not surprised that people are taking it seriously. But I've been pleased that that it has been taken as seriously as it has been by both the T and the Fiscal Control Board, uh, and, and the city uh, seems to be interested in hearing more about it as well. Um, where I think the attractiveness of this plan, from the T's perspective, is several fold. One, we're not replicating what they did away with. We're not trying to replicate the old late night service. This is something that's new. This is something that is truly 24-7, so it's 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. seven days a week. This is something that's much more affordable, much less costly. This is something that's bus only, not rail. So it's a very different plan. It's a plan that we think responds both to the need to give people who are coming on or off shifts during that time a meaningful service. It also responds to the T's need to be able to uh, put out a meaningful service in a cost-effective way. And so that's why I think this has been embraced. It's a serious plan, it's a thoughtful plan, and it's a plan that ticks all those boxes. 
So are you, I was sort of struck with your proposal, the, the focus seems to be on getting people to work. Uh, the previous weekend uh, service, uh, sort of the implication as you read about it was it was sort of help college kids who are out reveling all night long, help them get home uh, at, after the tea is shut down. Uh, was that a on purpose decision or is this a service that could serve both groups? Well, I, it's absolutely an on-purpose decision. I mean, we saw with the late service that it was sort of seen as the drunk college kid, I like to say, the drunk college kid crowd. Um, and it happened to also be useful for people who had late shifts those nights. But the airport doesn't run just on Thursdays and Fridays, and bars don't close uh, at 2 a.m. just on Thursdays and Fridays. Um, so what this allows is, is, is something that, Will you know if if you are at a bar in Harvard Square and you need to get home to East Boston, you would have that option to take a bus. You'd go to Copley Square, transfer to another bus, and get home. Um, so, <coughs> if you're at that bar, you're able to do that. But <coughs> if you're working at that bar, you're also able to do that. So we're focusing instead of making a system that that is focused on that that sort of college kid, drunk college kid crowd. We're making a system that's focused on the overnight worker at the airport, the overnight worker at, at a hotel, at a, at a hospital, at a, um, at, a, at a restaurant or a bar, but also is designed to serve really anyone. The, the, the way that the Pulse system that Jeremy was describing works is that because those transfers are, 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 are timed and, and, and correlated together, you can get on a bus at one end of the system, come downtown and get on another bus. You'll basically be able to get anywhere sort of within five or six miles of downtown within an hour. Um, again, is that really fast? No. Could you do that faster on a bike? Yes, probably. You could probably, unless you're going to East Boston because, you know, the, the water's in the way. You could probably do it faster in a, in a Lyft or an Uber or a taxi cab, but that's going to cost you $25 uh, if you have a longer trip. So what we want to do is we want to make that affordable trip for people using transit. And then I think the other piece that needs to happen is it needs to be marketed. One of my issues with the early morning service, the T-Head seems to have no interest in marketing. There's no, not, no sunrise schedule on their page. So if you market it um, and let people know that this exists, I think people are going to be interested in using it. One thing is I was out in, the, in San Francisco a few weeks ago, and um, they have a similar thing where um, the, the BART shuts down at midnight, but there's all night, San Francisco has all night service on many routes, but there's an all night service across the Bay Bridge. Every BART station has a big sign that says BART in, bus out, and then in, it, it, a link with information. So if you're standing in the station and you're looking at, at it and you're saying, huh, I wonder how that works, you don't have to look deep to find out how you can take a, a train in and then if you stay in the city till one or two in the morning to bus out, you, you, you've already seen that. You can say, oh, BART in, bus out. Even if you haven't looked at that link, you can probably figure that out. So to have this service in place, uh, it doesn't mean that we need to keep it a secret. And I think if this is in place, there will be a lot of people who, you know, have that 5 a.m. flight out of the airport and don't want to take a $30 taxi cab ride, so they'll take the bus. Or who are out, out at the bar until 2 in the morning and, you know, oh, there's a surge on, on, <coughs> on Uber, so they want to, uh, want to take a bus home. And I think that it'll be used by, by that crowd as well. If it's reliable, which I think it should be at that time of night, and if it's well, well publicized. Jeremy, the, um, uh, the T, when they canceled in March their weekend uh, late night service, 
they were just going to cancel it and sort of walk away. But for a variety of reasons, they decided maybe we should try and mitigate the impact of that on low income and minority people. And they came to a um, uh, meeting of the Fiscal Control and Management Board with a proposal to do that, expand a handful of routes at a cost of over $500,000. And I was struck at sitting at the meeting that the board said, wait a minute, we're going to expand a few routes for $500,000, and you guys originally said this might be in the area of a million dollars to do an all-night service. So it wasn't, it was sort of a, a duh moment that they just said, yeah, let's check this out and see if we can do this. What's happened since? I understand you've met with state officials. What have they, what have they told you about what's been their reaction to your plan? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a little mixed. Um, I think that there, there is, there's definitely interest. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an environment where everybody is, is always, you know, looking at ways to cut and, and try to trim the costs. Um, so it's a little weird coming in at the proposal for, for an improvement. Um, but I, I used to work at the MBTA. I was a service planner for a couple of years. And, um, and I know that, that they are they're under a lot of pressure and they have no resources to work with to add anything. Um, this is something, all-night service is something that has always been known, that we've always known that this is something that's needed. Um, it's just everybody always assumed it was too expensive. And it was only after a couple of informal conversations that I had with Ari one day, it was just... We just kind of realized, oh, maybe we can do this for, for a lot less than we think we can do this for. Um, but that so, seems to be the issue now. Is yeah. it too expensive well, or not? What, what do you think? Well, so that's the thing. Um, the, the, uh, so we came up, we, we said, you know, roughly in the ballpark of a million dollars. And we, it was a concept, right? And now they're, they're saying, um, we're talking about, a, we had some discussions with the team, we're talking about a range of anywhere from about two and a quarter million to four and a half million. Um, depending on the kind of service. Now, part of these conversations with the T have, have been, been about what kind of service are we going to be running. And so they've came back to us and they've said, well, your run times are not realistic. The buses cannot complete a round trip in an hour, which means that you can't offer hourly service with one bus. Um, and so what we say to that is, well, let's, let's work with you to figure out how we can get, it, get most of the routes to one bus. Maybe if some of the routes have to be more than one bus, we originally assumed that we'd have eight routes and we'd need 10 buses because two of them would need two vehicles. Um, we, we, are, we said, let's work together and let's figure out how we can modify some of these routes, how we can you know, take your input because you're the service planner, so let's, let's figure this all out. Um, if it, the high estimate is based on the idea that every route is gonna need two buses. So we don't think that that's the ultimate end of this, um, but it's also probably not that every route will need only one bus probably somewhere in the middle so you know the cost I mean maybe we'll get something to, to something somewhere in the two to three million dollar range and there are other variables too and there are um, right now there are some trips that wait for the last train at night and sometimes they have to wait for a half an hour uh, some of those trips wouldn't have to do that there are some of the some of the early morning trips wouldn't have to run um, you'd probably need to leave some of them because some of them are, are crowded they the ridership on these existing trips is anywhere from one to seventy two um, so mm -hmm. and there's 40 seats on a bus for anybody following along. So you can imagine that's a, it's a big range there. Um, so some of those trips would be incorporated, and we haven't calculated that yet. So there's a bunch of variables that we still have to work on. Yeah. And Jim, oh, I would say some of the costs that, that, that came out is that, you know, we're looking at about half a million dollars to have overnight police service for tra from transit police and to have um, paratransit service. So that's sort of a fixed cost. 
So what we need, <coughs> want to look at are sort of the, the variable costs on top of that. And that's not something we had accounted for, but I think still we're looking at it was $9 million a year to run the late night service, which provided four hours of service per week. So even at the high end, we're at half of that number to provide um, full-time overnight service. And Jim, the as I've watched this in the public meetings unfold, mm -hmm. it seems like the staff of the TIA is a little mm -hmm. uncomfortable with mm -hmm. it, not quite sure if this is a zany idea or not, whereas the members of the control board seem determined to check it out to, to its full ex extent. And um, what, what's your sense politically as someone who's been in this environment? Does an organization like the T willingly sort of say, yeah, bring on your ideas, let's, let's check them out? Uh, not often. Not often. I, mean, I, like, I know how hard it is institutionally for people to assess new ideas and, and, and refine new ideas and implement new ideas. When we inaugurated the Civil Line Force Service when I was secretary back in 2009, it took me 10 months of, of weekly meetings to get a simple little extension of the Silver Line bus service. So I know what it takes. But I think that the, it's clear from what they had said publicly that the many members of the Fiscal Control Board support taking this seriously, looking at it seriously, and doing something about it. I think they see it for what it is, which is a very solid plan that can enable the T to prove something that it needs to prove. The T right now, in the aftermath of a lot of recent events, really needs to show that it can provide meaningful service to people cost-effectively. They want to do that, so do we. And so we are aligned in our thinking that we should be able to provide that meaningful service to people at a reasonably low price. And that's how our plan was envisioned. Um, we will work with them to sort out and smooth out the variables. But at the end of the day, I think we're going to get there in a way that both MBTA leadership and uh, us as advocates and the citizens who use this will be able to agree that this is the right thing to do. This is, um, just to underscore, this is directed toward getting people to and from jobs. Yes, other people can use it. It's a free system, open to everybody. Not free, but open to everybody. But this is about getting people to and from jobs. There is no logic to saying that Boston, this great innovation city that's on a growth spurt, shouldn't have 24-7 transit service. I mean, it, it just, there's no logic to that. So what we're trying to do is find a way to work with the T to say, we've got a way to do that that will be consistent with your fiscal constraints. It will never cost zero. It will never cost zero. So that can't be the benchmark, right? Uh, and as Ari pointed out, the numbers that we're looking at, um, even at their worst, are 50% less than the four hours of service that they just got rid of. And we're giving you 24-7 mm -hmm. service. So there was some discussion at Monday's meeting. Uh, I know you were there for a while, Jeremy, but some discussion about a premium uh, charge for people to use this service. How do you feel about that? $5 was a number that they just sort of tossed out. In yeah, the pre premium fare has been tried before as a disaster. Um, it, it killed the night owl, the previous all-night bus service, or no, excuse me, the previous Friday, Saturday late-night bus service um, that was around for a while, and they said, this is expensive, and we're having a hard time with the budget. Let's see if we can charge a fare. And the ridership just, just went through the floor. 
Um, the and that's been shown, you know, anywhere when they charge a premium fare. Um, the other thing is this is this is the the, the core uh, population targeted for this service is low income workers. Um, so by definition, these are people who don't have a lot of money. So to say that we're going to charge you a special fare, it it doesn't make sense. Right, right. And these are also people who are commuting. If they're taking transit to their job at 4 in the morning, they're obviously getting home at some point at noon. Or if they're taking, taking transit home at 2 in the morning, they're getting there earlier. They probably have, they might have a lake pass. They might have a Charlie card. Um, there's, there's really no reason to make this more complicated to use, uh, especially since it's a relatively new, new concept that we, we would sort of have to sell. Um, and really fares are only going to cover part of this. Um, I think if you double the fare, you're going to at least have the ridership. And the other thing is that uh, transit needs to be thought of in, in the grand scheme of everything else, right? A lot of times we, we think of the T and as a silo because, you know, the control board oversees the T and somebody else oversees the highways and somebody else oversees the local streets. And, um, you know, we need to think about transit for all of its benefits. The fact that it supports the economy, the fact that, you know, it, it, that it, um, reduces car use and congestion and pollution and and all the other the the host of benefits that the transit brings so you know when we think of it in that sense um, if, if somebody is unable to get to their shift at four in the morning well they're gonna find some other way to do that uh, or they're not gonna have that job one or the other and if they find some other way to do that it might be driving there um, and then there's the chance that they're gonna be driving home at noon um, or at 5 right. p.m. right and you know, so if you if you provide the option overnight, you're not just getting ridership overnight. You're getting ridership during the day, when you're and, and traffic congestion has a big impact on buses, uh, makes transit a lot less usable. So um, these are all part of the reasons for for doing this. It's not just it's not just the cost, which by the way is competitive with um, a lot of the uh, middle tier of of bus routes. The key word is affordability. The MBTA has to be affordable to its users, to its riders. So the idea of a premium cost completely negates the notion that the T needs to be affordable. The service plan, the, 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 the plan of having late night service, all night service, also has to be affordable to the T. And that's the beauty of what we're proposing. It is a, it is a plan that is affordable to the rider, and it's a plan that is affordable to the T. And there's, I think, if you think about it that way, if you look at it objectively, which is that's what it does, um, there's no logical reason why you wouldn't make an effort to deploy this and implement this, right? If you think about what the T's recent experience has been, the federal government has said, well, wait a second, you got rid of the service, you didn't do an equity analysis. What we're saying is we're not trying to replicate that service. However, from an equity perspective, our plan is geared toward the working stiff, to the person, to the man or the woman, who are going to a late shift or coming out of a, a late shift at the hospitals, at Logan Airport, at restaurants, at places that most of us who are asleep at night don't see. But there are people who are working there who are not making the kind of wage that allows them to take Uber with abandon. And it's those people that the T needs to respond to. It's those people that our plan responds to. Thank you very much. I appreciate you coming to the inaugural podcast. Thanks very much. Thanks, Thank Bruce. You. Thank you. Uh, 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 uh.